Today with Catherine Ruinala. I said the other night um, that I was noticing that there seems to have been so many people that have been under assault recently in their, in their minds with the enemy throwing all sorts of regrets and thoughts that have been crowding out their, their headspace. I don't know about you, but I have, I have had these things coming at me and I find myself thinking about that thought. Then I go down and replay the whole trauma of whatever went on and I'm re reliving all the emotions again and being re-traumatized all over again and then realizing, what am I doing? This is something, a fiery dart that's been thrown at my head to try to keep me away from the things that God wants to fill my heart and mind with. But I've also noticed that there's been a lot of people who've actually been really so under assault that they've come to a place where they feel like they are just despairing and um, really, really stuck. And it reminded me of a story in the old Pilgrim's Progress, the Slough of Despond, where Pilgrim with his heavy burden fell into this miry pit and Pliable, his friend who got excited in the beginning and came along with him, said, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is a Christian life. Count me out. And he ran away like the seed that was sown on rocky ground. But Christian, he was like, ah, and he's got that, the weight of his sin and guilt on his back and he's despairing. And then this guy shows up and his name is Help. Help, of course, is the Holy Spirit, our ever-present help in time of need. And Help shows up and says, why didn't you look for the steps? And, and he realizes they're actually, look, there's these steps here I didn't even notice. And the steps are the promises of God. But when we're dealing with all the shame and the guilt that the enemy tries to put on us that the Lord has set us free from, we can actually find ourselves being deceived again to come back into a place of discouragement and despair. In the, obviously, in Pilgrim's Progress, this slough of despond was before he found Christ as his deliverer. But the enemy can trap us back into the slough of despond and into carrying a burden of guilt and shame without us even realizing what's happened if we're not vigilant to guard our heart with all diligence and to recognize, hang on, I'm having a thought that is illegal. The former things have come to pass. Behold, he does all things, he makes all things new. His mercies are new every morning. He doesn't even make mention of our past sin. So, you, so beating yourself up about anything that's happened before that's been brought to Christ, repented of and, and you've received mercy, no longer has any right to be in your brain. Amen? Because it ends up being a burden that makes you struggle to get out. But the steps are the promises of God. And as we look what those promises are and we begin to make a declaration, I believe, I believe, I believe, I, I thank you for these promises. I'm going to pick up that promise. I'm going to step out of this place of discouragement intentionally by standing on the solid ground of his promises. God will keep you and help you from staying stuck because the promises of God are invitations 
They are yes and amen. They are yours, but you have to take it. You've got to have it. Hallelujah. If you have a beautiful spread laid out in front of you, it's wonderful, but it's only of benefit to you if you take it and eat it. In the same way, the promises of God for us are only helpful if we're actually applying it, taking it and having it. So when the enemy's coming and he's reminding you of something stupid you did or something, a mistake that you made, I mean, I, I feel like I've been having random thoughts from situations from back when 20 years ago have been coming to my mind. It's like, you are really trying hard. Talk to the hand, not going there, devil. But, be, it, but when I don't recognize what it is, I can start thinking to myself, oh, that was so stupid. You're so stupid. Why do you do? Oh, God. And then dreaming, if only I had a time machine, I could go back and just not make that mistake. But then you realize, well, I probably wouldn't be where I was, to, what I am today if I hadn't learned. And I can't put my, my head on a, on a 17-year-old or a 12-year-old. Or and, we, and we learn and grow from our mistakes. Regret has no, is of no use to us and it doesn't help us. But we have to be vigilant to recognize what it is. But I wanted to share with you today... A word that um, I've been on for a little while. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Zechariah chapter 9. Hallelujah. And this is one of these precious promises that we can use as steps to get out of the place where you feel a bit stuck. Because God's heart desire for us is not for us just to sit down and wallow. I'm under attack. Things are going bad. Isn't it terrible? Um, this is not a helpful position. You might get some sympathy, but you won't get the handout and the help up that you need. But if instead you'll recognize, okay, I have to do something here. He has made a way of escape for me out of every temptation. I'm going to take this way of escape. There are steps here. I'm going to look for them. What's a promise? Holy Spirit, remind me of a promise that I can begin to declare. So if you're feeling um, like you're, you're, you're useless or hopeless, you can begin to, to declare, thank you, Lord, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. If you're thinking, well, I just oh, I made such bad decisions, you can go, Thank you, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I make excellent decisions. Praise the Lord. And you can start to make declarations based on the promises of God and intentionally come out. You are the only one that can do this for yourself because if you don't learn what it looks like to take the step yourself, you're always going to be looking for somebody else to help you. And the Holy Spirit, He is our helper, ready to help you, but the way He helps you is by pointing out to you the way of escape that's been made for you. It says here in Zechariah 9:11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. 
He set us free from the miry pit, hallelujah. Because of the blood of his covenant, he has set us free from the place of despair and hopelessness. We have our hope in him, hallelujah. And then he says, return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. For I will bend Judah as my bow and I will fill the bow with Ephraim. Just want to stop there. It's such an incredible promise. He says, Behold, because of the blood of my covenant, and if you look earlier in that chapter, you can read about the Messiah coming on a donkey, our beautiful Messiah. And because of the blood of Jesus, because of the blood of the new covenant, we've been set free from the pit. Hooray, from the mire, from the discouragement. We have, the, we have this as a precious promise. And he says, I will restore double to you. Hallelujah. This glorious promise of double recompense that we read about also in Isaiah 61. But I want to read it for, for you from the message. And, and this is what Pastor Barry was pointing out. Here it is. It says, and you, because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you've lost returned twice over. Judah is now my weapon, the bow I'll pull, setting Ephraim as an arrow to the string. In other words, God was telling them, you catch this, the bow, I'm going to bend Judah as a bow and I'm going to fill it with Ephraim. You might think, what on earth is that? And I didn't, I didn't see that or pick that up. But until Pastor Barry pointed out that Judah means praise. And Ephraim means double portion. Ephraim, of course, was the son of Joseph. Ephraim and Manasseh, he was a twin. And his, his name actually means double fruit. Twice over, double portion. And the vehicle that God uses to release like a lightning fast arrow, the double portion, is praise. And God's heart for us is to bend our hearts from a, a stiff attitude of, oh, why isn't anything happening, to a, a, a bowed down attitude of worship. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to celebrate you. And the promise is that the praise as you worship him is going to release the double portion that's going to come like a lightning flash that's going to come and overwhelm and overtake you. The blessings of God overtaking us as we learn what it looks like to stop complaining and start praising. Hallelujah. But it's very easy when you are in a situation that looks difficult and hopeless to actually just get stuck and start complaining about, oh, this is, why is this happening? It's terrible. Why is this going on? I don't understand. This is terrible. And while you're focusing on all the bad things that are going on, you're actually not looking for the way of escape. You're not looking for the steps 
the promises that God wants you to praise him about and thank him for because every time you step on one of those steps and you start declaring and praising and thanking God, thank you, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that you heal all my diseases. Thank you, I'm healthy, I'm healed, I'm strong, I'm well, I'm blessed. I thank you that your plans for me, when the enemy's saying, you know, it's useless, there's nothing good ahead for you, you say, the plans God has for me have been declared in the written word of God, and they are plans to prosper me, plans to give me hope and a future. Lord, I take a hold of that hope today. I'm celebrating, I'm going to dance. I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. <gasps> Praise the Lord. I woke up this morning. That was yesterday. I woke up this morning thinking, singing, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. I mean, now you don't have to be like me. I'm just, this is just the way I'm wired. Some of you are wired that way too. You just don't want to admit it. But this is the heart of the Father is for us to recognize that we need to use our mouths to come into agreement so that the emotions in our heart have something to follow. He is looking for us to use the weapon that he's given us, the sword of the spirit, this powerful member called the tongue, to, to come into submission to God, to bow in praise to God and make a deliberate, determined effort to say, I will praise him. I will bless him. I will celebrate. I will sing. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Because the promise of God is that more will be your children than that of the married woman. He says, I want you to stretch out your tent pegs. I want you to enlarge your, the, the, your area, your uh, capacity. Because I'm going to bring in more than you've yet even dared to ask, hope, or imagine. But the way that we do that is exactly what it says. Sing, O barren. For many people, they've been through what had looked like a very barren period of, we never expected this. I thought it was supposed to be better than this. I thought, I thought, I thought. But instead of determining what the will of God is by looking at the circumstances, look at the word of God and start to, to look for the steps. Start to begin to praise because as you do, the arrow starts to get positioned and the double portion gets released. We see it happen with Paul and Silas in the prison. Like they've been beaten, whipped, very uncomfortable, painful, nasty, thrown in shackles without a mattress in a really stinky, awful prison. For what? For preaching the gospel. And instead of complaining to each other, I don't know, I was signing up for this. Good thing he didn't tell me that this was coming, otherwise I probably wouldn't have followed him. Instead of complaining to each other, this is terrible. We must have done something wrong. What have we done? What did you do? You must have done something wrong. You know, instead of looking for someone to blame, which is what normally happens when something bad happens, you see it all happen in the political system all the time. 
Something bad happens. There's a virus. Who can we blame? There's this. Who can we blame? There's, there's always looking for someone to blame because we want someone to direct our anger at. But if instead of actually looking for something to direct our anger at, something to be blaming, if instead we just started praising, celebrating, filling our mouths with the praises of God, we will see the double portion breakthrough that God wants to bring because the word of God promises he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his promise. That's one of the steps. You're very quiet today. And what happened as they began to praise and worship when circumstances would say, if anything, you know, just to put your head down and be miserable. Instead, they start singing, let's, let's worship. Lord, we love you. You are so good to us. God, we're thankful for your mercies. You are faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being uh, persecuted for your namesake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ones that got to hear the gospel before we got arrested. Hooray. Thank you for your goodness. As they begin to sing, Lord, you're great, you're holy. And as they worshiped God, there was an earthquake and the shackles fell off, not only them, but all the prisoners and the doors of the prison blew wide open. We know this story. The jailer came and went, ah, has everyone escaped? And Paul said, no, we're all here. And the good news is the, the jailer and his family got saved. Pretty sure some of those other prisoners might have got saved too. That sounds to me like a double portion. Not only were they set free, but they actually got to do what they were called to do. And then, then they got to testify in front of the ones that had imprisoned them, imprisoned them in the first place, because they'd actually imprisoned a Roman citizen when they weren't supposed to. And uh, so God made it work for good. Hallelujah. He makes all things work for good. But I wonder what would have happened if they had instead just grumbled and complained and become miserable. God's delight in his heart is for us to be bent like a bow, to, to position ourselves so he can fill it with a double portion, so that he can do what only he can do. You see, this hope is not a vain hope. The Bible says that the word of God will not return to him void, but it will accomplish what it is sent forth to do. And we have to wage war with these promises, these prophetic words spoken over us, these promises that we have. This book is full of the promises of God, glorious promises. When you're sick, he says, I heal all your diseases. I am the Lord, your healer. When you're in debt and you're, you're, um, you've got a lack, he says, I am your provider. I'm going to prosper you. When the enemy says, oh, it's hopeless, there's no hope for you, useless life, no hope in the future, why would you even dare to believe in hope? You can say, he gives me hope and a future. Hallelujah. It 
is written. Just as Jesus did. That's why we're so strong on emphasizing for believers to learn what it looks like to value the word and to read it, to meditate on it, to sing it, to speak it, to pray it, to declare it, to personalize it and prophesy it over their own lives because the word of God is a sharp and powerful sword that will, hallelujah, cause us to walk in the victory that God's got for us. Amen? Amen. We turn the tide of battle when we start to praise. And, you know, we, most of us would know that truth. But how many of us have missed an opportunity when something's gone wrong or difficult situations come? And someone's called you up and said, how are you going? You're like, oh, rah, 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 Because you haven't grabbed it quickly and turned it into praise. You've been rah, 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 ruminating on it in your own spirit, and your own soul, going, this is terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. Please pray for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's good to have other people pray. But you know what? Your prayers are very powerful. You don't need someone else to pray for you, though we love to pray for each other. When God says, I have given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, I have given you great and precious promises. And these promises are yours for the taking. What are you going to do with the Word of God? What are you going to do with this glorious feast that the Lord has laid before us. I believe there's a holy awakening happening. And it's awakening people to realizing what is actually set in front of them and realizing what they've been tolerating. Realizing the mud that they've been living with that they didn't need to have. I'm contending for people who are so vigilant that the moment a thought comes of regret, of shame, of guilt, when the moment the enemy comes and he tries to get you to go back down a path to re-traumatize you, to, to bring you back into shame and guilt and fear and worry or self-condemnation, that you'd see it so quickly, it would be foreign thing in your head. You'd recognize it quickly and say, ah, not going there, devil. Father, I thank you. This is my opportunity for double, for that disturbance right there. I thank you, Jesus. I celebrate. I'm going to pick up your precious promise. Holy Spirit, help me. What's a promise I could use right here? And he will. Praise the Lord. I believe that we are about to have an overtaking time where the promises of God are going to be overtaking you and that you are going to be overtaking the attack so that they are having to run to keep up with you, not you running the other direction and hiding under the doona. Where the enemy is going to be on the run. He's turning the tide 
of battle, but it begins with praise and worship. It begins with high praises in our mouth. Hallelujah. Making declarations. As I walked in this, uh, this afternoon with Tom, they were singing, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I'm like, I love this song. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I love this song. And Tom says, so. It's <laughs> like, Tom, you're ruining the song for me. Imagine the whole congregation going, so, <laughs> stop, no, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I said, I am redeemed, not say so. <laughs> but God wants you to put it in your mouth. I, I put it in my mouth. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm prosperous, I'm healthy, I'm highly favored, I have favor everywhere I go, I've got wisdom, I've got grace, I am patient, hallelujah, I am kind, not because of my past performance, but because of the blood of the covenant that has given me a brand new nature, wiped out my past, whether it was when I first got saved or yesterday. It's in the past. You can't do anything about that now. It's gone. You can't get it. You can't reach for it. So don't let the enemy throw it at you. Hallelujah. He's saying, let me be the glory and the lifter of your head, and I want to show you things to come. Call on me, and I will answer you and show you not the regrets of the past, I will show you great and mighty things that you knew not of. Yes. 